Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. We're all obviously wondering uh, what is in store um, during Christmas and indeed immediately after it, and whether COVID numbers will rise again. And this is something the Irish Small and Medium Enterprises Association are deeply concerned about as well. They're calling for rapid testing for workers after they come back to work after Christmas. And on the line to chat to us about it, we have Neil MacDonald, who is the CEO of ISME. And good morning to you, Neil. Good morning, Joe. So this is a really interesting one because I suppose a lot of workplaces um, have been going to great lengths uh, to ensure that within their premises things are as safe as possible uh, from a COVID perspective. Uh, and that has been helped by what's been going on in the community and the government measures, um, the decrease in travel, um, that being lifted this Friday, of course, now and allowing travel around the country. Um, and that's the part that you and your members can't control in terms of people coming back to offices and workplaces? Correct, Joe. Uh, People have been... Obviously, for those workplaces that can function remotely, uh, people have been operating within what's effectively a domestic bubble. But those who've been going, you know, those sorts of workers who do have to go to a workplace and thinking of manufacturing, construction, uh, care, uh, um, nursing homes, hospitals, Gardaí and the like, um, they have effectively been operating within a work bubble as well. But as the Christmas holidays approach um, and a lot of service manufacturing and construction businesses said to us last week, look, we're, we're aware that very substantial numbers of people are going home this weekend coming and they're coming back on the first week of January. And in many cases, uh, those workers are going home to countries in on continental Europe that have extremely high rates of COVID infection Uh, and the concern and the worry is what they're going to do as those people return to the workplace on the 4th of January. Mm. So this is not so much about people moving around Ireland, it's people going home to other countries? Well it's 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 both, Joe. And in fact, the third concern is those who are staying in Ireland but are welcoming visitors from places with a very high incidence rates, such as the UK and the United States. So the, when we lift the travel restrictions this weekend, all of those people are starting to mix. And, and that problem really compounds then on, on, the la- on the first weekend in January when the uh, European workers return to Ireland and everyone starts going back to work in the first week of January. So ideally, we would like pre-departure of testing uh, for people coming into Ireland. In other words, they would be subject to a rapid antigen test before they depart um, and they'd have another one when they get here. But the most efficient way we, and and, and that should happen in any case, we believe, but we also believe that a rapid in-work, in-workplace testing regime would be extremely helpful. Would that be voluntary? It, it would be. I mean, I don't think it can subject anyone to a test, but I, I suppose where where you have a worker um, that has uh, gone to the Baltics, for instance, or Luxembourg or Belgium over Christmas and has come back and has refused to take a test, I, I think people would 
you know, if, if you know someone who refused to take a non-invasive test, as antigen tests are, um, one would have a concern that if they were unwilling to take the test, perhaps they should be asked to self-isolate um, for the recommended period, whether it's five or seven days. I don't think anyone wants to subject their co-workers to the risk of infection, and that's really what we're trying to do. There's been a lot of talk about a second surge and a second lockdown um, after Christmas. We think this would be a way to nip that in the bud, and I'm sure nobody wants to go back to a level five lockdown. Yeah, now mind you, we had somebody on the show earlier wondering if after Christmas Day and in the run-up to New Year's Day, the um, current plan to ease restrictions from this Friday might uh, come under pressure because of the increasing cases that we're possibly seeing now day after day? Possibly so, um, but I, I suppose you're getting into a level of, of detail there, Joe, that just becomes extremely hard to manage. And you're saying people can travel for X number of days and they stop travelling for another few days and then they all come back to the country again. What we're saying is, and we we actually wrote to the government and to TDs in the first week of November looking for this, you know, lockdown should not be the only tool in the box uh, uh, to tackle COVID and unfortunately it has been treated as if it is, it is the only one. It is very effective. We have described it as, as a hammer but if the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer all you're going to do is flatten everything. Yes, you'll flatten the curve but you'll flatten businesses at the same time. Whereas if you also have a an effective, robust test, trace, isolate and control system in place, that, that is also a, a really powerful tool to use against the virus. And we're suggesting a way that it could be done and we're suggesting a place that it could be done and we're suggesting the people who could administer it. We think it's a sensible, reasonable idea and we, and we would love mm. the government to look at it. Yeah, will they? I, I, I think as they move into um, as they move to, into uh, adjournment now for the, for the holidays, they will have to think of this sort of thing. I'm sure somewhere within NEFET, within the Department of Health, uh, and within Minister Donnelly's department, um, they are considering what the implications of relaxation of the uh, of the level five restrictions are going to be, especially where people are going to countries where the infection rate is actually more than 10 times what ours is. It made the news last night, you, you will have seen, Joe, when the infection, road, infection rate went above 80 per 100,000. There are the, the Baltics, it's in excess of 1,000 per 100,000, as, as also it is in, in Luxembourg and Belgium. So we, we are sending people uh, back uh, home on their Christmas holidays who are going to places with extremely high infection rates and we really should be thinking about how we're going to manage that return to work safely. We do have, the government does have a return to work safely protocol. What we're suggesting is that testing workers returning to the workplace should be part of that protocol. Yes, uh, we're chatting to Neil McDonnell, who is the CEO of ISME, the Irish Small and Medium Enterprises Association. And we're also joined uh, by local GP, Dr Yvonne Williams, who has been a regular contributor during COVID-19 to uh, this uh, show. And we're grateful for it. Good morning, Yvonne. Um, so there, se there, there seems to be um, 
an effort in communication now by the government. The vaccine plan will be um, revealed to today. There's talk of GPs having an involvement, pharmacists having an involvement, hospitals, um, you know, centres of different kinds uh, to deliver the vaccine. But also an effort to make most of us listening aware that it'll be a long time before there's normality and it'll be a long time before we're eligible to get the vaccine, Yvonne. Yeah, I know. I feel sometimes like the Grinch, the Grinch at Christmas. Every time we have a bit of good news, we have to try and pull back on it a little bit. I mean, look, it's great news. There are lots of vaccines that look like they're very, very effective, over 90%, 95% effectiveness. That's brilliant for a vaccine. Um, but the reality is not everyone is going to be able to get it quickly. It's going to take two doses, and we're going to need a lot of people to be vaccinated before we have good levels of protection in the community. The other thing is there won't be a choice, I presume, of which vaccine you get because this is going to cost the state money. It will be free to the person getting it. But the only option will be take it when you're called or not, right? Yeah, what we've been told and what they're saying in the UK is that you're not going to have a choice and that's because of, I suppose, supply and demand. So if we don't have availability of a second shot of, say, the Pfizer vaccine, if that's the first one we get, what we want is to get as many people as possible vaccinated as quickly as possible, safely. Um, and if that means using a second dose of even a different vaccine or, you know, that's what we will do and different vaccines may suit different people. We might see studies coming out over the next couple of months showing that a particular vaccine is very good in a certain age group or in a certain, you know, ethnic group. So that may change over time as well. So we had independent TD for Limerick, Richard O'Donoghue, on in the first hour and he was clarifying um, comments that he felt he'd been misrepresented, not by us, but by other media around whether or not he would choose to take the vaccine himself. And he said that ultimately it would come down to a conversation with his own GP. I mean, what are GPs likely to be saying to us over the next couple of months? Well, we still need to get a bit more data before we're going to be able to, you know, 100% recommend any vaccine. And we're still waiting on that information to come out to us. But I won't be recommending a vaccine to my patients that I wouldn't be happy to take myself, to give to my own parents or, you know, or to my husband. So I think people have a long-standing relationship with their GPs in general. At least 5% of the population has a GP. Um, and in a lot of cases, we're looking after three generations of the same family. So there is a trust there. We've given maybe in some cases the children have had their childhood vaccines growing up. We give people their flu or pneumonia vaccine vaccines in, in the winter time. So I think it's going to take a conversation. There needs to be a really good, really, really good um, media campaign from the HSC. They need to put out all the stops on this one because already we're having people coming in saying, I won't take it, I wouldn't take it. I read something on social media and when we ask them what it is, sometimes they can't even remember, but they just, it was negative. Um, and the social media anti-vaccine campaign is already in full swing. So the sooner that we can get that information campaign going, the better, I think. Right. We're chatting to Dr. Yvonne Williams, GP. Um, but GPs don't appear, and I mean, I know the plan is still to be revealed later today, but it, they don't appear to be first in line to give this vaccine either. Yeah, we don't know the details yet. I think if the first vaccine we get is the Pfizer vaccine, that's the one that has to stay in the super cold fridges. We simply don't have the capacity to do that. Neither do the pharmacies that have to be kept between minus 60, minus 80. So that's maybe going to require um, a special type of, of a vaccine program. The other vaccines that can be kept at a more you know normal fridge temperature that we would have, I think we're definitely going to be involved with that. This is going to take a huge effort from every kind of healthcare professional, I think, working and, and perhaps some of them, as I said, coming out of retirement to try and vaccinate people when we have... Um, big numbers to vaccinate later on in the spring and early summer. Mm. But it certainly feels like based on everything we're being told now, 
that a return to normality and almost restriction-free Ireland uh, or close to it is more a September possibility than a March possibility in 2021? I think we have to adjust to a new normal. So no one has come up with a cure, you know, for for a coronavirus or get or COVID two. We're having, um, we're better at, at treating it now in the hospital. We've got loads of vaccines coming out that seem to be very effective, but it's not going to go away. This is something that you know may be with us like the flu. So we're going to have to adjust, I suppose, things like washing our hands, maybe wearing the mask. They may be things that will be around for quite a long time. But it is positive that there are vaccines. We're hoping that they'll be approved in Europe very shortly, and you know we'll be vaccinating the most vulnerable in in January. Is what we're hearing. And how worried are you, Yvonne, about Christmas and New Year, the easing of restrictions from Friday and then the return to whatever normal we'll have in January being under restriction again, maybe maybe under a higher level of lockdown again? Yeah, mixed emotions. Looking forward to, to being able to see relatives um, at Christmas time, but very nervous. I'm really nervous for the over 65s, as are most of my colleagues, because we're going to have that intergenerational mixing. There's a lot of socialising going on already. I know the intercounty travel is, is due to start this week, but there's a lot more mixing than there ever has been. And I suppose what Neffet had, had projected, if, if we'd gotten our numbers down to under 200 per 100,000, with the shops opening up, we were already going to have quite a big increase in January. We didn't get the numbers down under 200. We've Christmas on top of that. So we're expecting a nice third wave in January that will put our health services under under pressure. So that's why it's so important that people are careful with their masks, their hand hygiene, the two metres, the really simple things. And if you don't, you know, if it's I suppose, not an essential social event over Christmas, try and keep your contacts as, as low as you can while still trying to enjoy the season. And Yvonne, will you get a surge in the flu and in respiratory illnesses that generally cause a spike in January in hospital admissions and emergency department pressures? Well, that's our fear is that we haven't had influenza hitting our hospitals yet. But if we get that at the same time as the third wave of COVID, we will be under pressure. And again, it's the same age group that are vulnerable. You know, it's it's the grannies and granddads, the over 65s, the over 80s who will really struggle. Uh, we don't know what it's going to be like if you're trying to fight off COVID at the same time as influenza. So if there's anybody listening who hasn't had their flu vaccine, it's now free for every child between 2 and 18 up to their 18th birthday. And it's free for every adult in a high risk group, everyone over 65. Please get it because we don't know when it's going to hit. We might be lucky, you know, the numbers have been quite low in, in Australia and New Zealand. They didn't get a bad flu this year because of the, the two metres, the masks, the hand hygiene. But, we, you know, it's not a guarantee. We're already seeing in the practice here, I've seen more people with sinus and chest infections in the last two weeks than I have had, you know, all through October um, and early November. And that's because people are mixing, they're picking up other viruses, other infections already. So, you know, there is a risk, um, a quite significant risk of a third wave in January. And one other thing, there does seem to be a tendency, and look, I can understand it at one level, you you know, people know that if they think they have COVID or they need to go for a COVID referral, that their lives are going to be significantly disrupted. But there seems to be a tendency to be overly optimistic along the lines of, well, I'm not feeling 100%, but I think I'm grand, really, and it definitely isn't COVID. And they're kind of self-diagnosing. Yeah, it's, it's the second sentence we're getting from most people now. Is I have, followed by, I know it's not COVID <laughs> because I had it in 1995 or 2010 and an antibiotic fixed it then. So, I mean, you just don't know that it's not COVID this year. So if you have a runny nose or a sore throat or a bit of a cough, it could be COVID. The only way to know is to get a test done. And um, unfortunately, that that's the reality. So it, it's starting to become a little bit of a battle with people to get them to um, to go for the COVID test. You know, people are almost afraid to find out because of the knock-on effects for their close contacts with Christmas coming. But it's 
it's so important. I don't think anybody wants it on their conscience that they gave COVID to somebody else in the family who then goes on to get very sick or even passes away. So if you have symptoms, please get in contact. It's better to do it this week than next week. You know, don't put it off. Ring on the day that you're sick. Okay. Well, listen, I know you have patients to see. So thank you very much for uh, chatting to us this morning. That's uh, local GP based in Shannon, Dr. Yvonne Williams. And Neil McDonnell, who is the chief executive of ISME, is still with us. Uh, I suppose the, the, the two issues for you, Neil, are A, if enough people coming back to workplaces are reluctant to get the testing that you're talking about. Uh, that, you know, you can handle a certain amount of self-isolation if that's the only option, but you, you can't handle it beyond that point. The other thing is, how worried are you that a lot of businesses are going to go to the wall in January? Well, I, I think the, the second issue you've raised is, is of greater concern than the first. I, I, I personally suspect that most people would not be reluctant to take a test and would be very willing to take one if offered one, especially if it was offered free of charge. Um, And and I I think um, they would do so in the comfort and the knowledge that they weren't going to present a risk to either their workmates or um, or, or their family, and um, as as uh, the doctor has just said, no one wants to be in a position where they could actually have the illness or death of someone else on their conscience. So I think people would very willingly put up with the inconvenience of a test uh, in in those circumstances. Um, the, the the issue about businesses potentially going to the wall, of course, is something that we have been looking at for the. For most of 2020, it was one of the three key asks of government we raised um, when COVID struck. Now, in the meantime, businesses, we're we're in a very sort of artificial atmosphere where, on the one hand, um, the state is supporting workers' wages. On the other hand, banks have shown a degree of forbearance uh, to many businesses. Um, And also, uh, thirdly, where businesses have been able to get uh, grant assistance. And some have also taken on some extra debt. Um, But as I think it was Warren Buffett who said, it's not until the tide goes out that you find out who isn't wearing trunks. And the reality of our slow return to business in the new year is that some businesses, as, as supports are withdrawn, some businesses are going to um, re- be able to return to normal trading and others are not or they're not going to be able to service their debts and their creditors. It, it's, it's not that creditors are bad people. Most creditors are actually other small businesses and they need to get paid. And if they don't, uh, they will seek to recover the money somehow. Uh, so we're hoping that the government will look favourably on our proposals for a, an affordable examinership regime for small businesses. But but the reality of it is that we are looking at a, a, hopefully just in the low thousands of SMEs that will go out of business in the new year. But I think that's inevitable at this stage. The low thousands. Okay, okay. Neil MacDonald, who's the Chief Executive of the Irish Small and Medium Enterprises Association, thank you for your time. Call Limerick today now on 461995.